Welcome back to this final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. A reminder, tomorrow, 6 to 7 with the general. And before the show starts at about 4.45, go to HoustonTexas.com and you will see a live stream conversation between Mark and myself and we will discuss the opening opponent, home opener opponent. Now, could be week one, could be week two, could be week three. Uh, What was that one year? 2018. Oh, God. Went to New England, lost, went to Tennessee, and just completely peed down our leg at the end. And he came back for the Giants, had to win and lost. We're 0-3. But then what happened? Nine straight. So maybe it's week three. We'll find out. That'll be tomorrow, 4.45 to 5. 5 o'clock is when we find out that home opener, and we will bring that to you from our live stream. And then 6 to 7 with the general. Looking forward to that. Going to be a fun time discussing what could be on the schedule I just got my fingers crossed about one game in particular, hoping that it's not in December or January. Hello, Chicago. Please be early. Please, please, please be early. I was so cold when we went there in 2020, and they're like, oh, man, this is a nice day. I'm like, I know. So that being said, a little Texas news. I've seen this reported by a few. It's not been official. The official news that came today was Jerry Hughes is officially a Texan. That was announced by the team today. Jalen Petrie apparently has come to an agreement on a contract, that's awesome. And I know you're seeing a lot of that happen for rookies throughout the league. Some teams have got all their guys signed already, and some teams have got a few signed. Some have got top five picks signed, all that kind of stuff. There isn't a whole lot of negotiation that goes with these contracts now. Everything's pretty much slotted, so it makes it a little bit easier. You don't have these long holdouts that drag all the way throughout the summer. Things are already taken care of. But good to know that Jalen Petrie is locked in for the next four years here with the Houston Texans. All right, that's going to do it. Big thanks to Mark, to Drew, to Chris Santiago, to all of you out there for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Schedule release is coming 24 hours from now. We'll see you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. And it's time to talk a little bit about this defensive pass rush and how things have changed lately. That being the addition of Rasheem Green, that being the addition of Mario Addison. Now, when Drew and I talked on In the Lab, we finished our discussion, I'm talking not five minutes before Jerry Hughes was added. So as you're listening, just know that Jerry Hughes is added to this conversation. And I can't tell you how excited I am. This goes back to our conversation. I think I may have talked about this with Mark last night a little bit. In 2009, to the Lombardi Awards, I had an opportunity to do a breakfast with Dom Kinsue, Gerald McCoy, and Jerry Hughes, three guys that have had tremendous careers in the NFL. And it was really fun. I did some either-or questions with them, and they were awesome. They were just real troopers about it. And I've always cheered for Jerry, no matter what, because he's a local guy at Austin High School, Fort Bend District represent. That's where my mom and dad taught and coached for a long time. So I'm always excited about Fort Bend District players doing well. And then, of course, he went to TCU at Texas School and then you know went around the league, didn't do great with the, car, the Colts, which was okay because it was the Colts. But then when he went to the Bills, he really carved out a tremendous career there for the Buffalo Bills, and hopefully it'll finish right here in Houston with the Houston Texans. But that deal took place shortly after Drew and I had our discussion in the lab on how the pass rush has changed, how the defensive line has changed. And then we discussed a game that Mark Vandermeer actually called, the 2001 Sugar Bowl between Miami and Florida. Did it have as many prospects in that game as LSU-Alabama 2019? The short answer is no. 
but it was close. Here's in the lab. Last week, we touched on the new addition to the pass rush. We mainly talked about the guy who the Texans signed right after, uh, right after the draft. His name's Rasheem Green. Comes to town, uh, 6'4", 279. In 16 games, 16 starts last year, he played all 17 games for the Seahawks. Six and a half sacks. He had four a couple seasons ago when he played uh, 16 games and got eight starts. You know, in his career, he's got 13 and a half. But he's a young, young guy. He was born in 1997 on May 15th. So in five days, think about that, John. He's going to be 25 in five days. He's only 24 right now. Um, That's pretty wild if you think about that. So he's a young, young player. But another guy who's not young, who was also added up front, is Mario Addison. And I say he's not young. He actually is, because I'm an old-ass man. I'm 44 years old, going to be 45, and, and I don't even want to say what your age is, because you're older yeah, than me. That's okay. But born a decade before, so he's going to be, or he's 34 right now, um, is Mario Addison. Comes to town after spending quite a bit of time with the Bills, and before that, he spent an even longer stint. So I say quite a amount. He spent two years with the Bills. But between 2000. 12-ish and 2019 he was a carolina panther and he was very solid for them in his career john he's got 67 sacks and in a stretch between 16 and 19 he had at least nine sacks or more every season topping out at 11 in 17 this guy can get after the pass or after the passer lovey smith and the bears know him he was a rookie on the bears back in 2011 this is a very interesting so you have those two guys along with Jonathan Grenard on the inside, you've got Lopez, you've got Malik Collins, you've got a, a few other guys in the mix there. Uh, Booker, the, the rookie. It's a very interesting mix. And I know we discussed it last week, but this defensive line, it, I think it's going to be better than what we saw last year. And it was a pretty good defensive line last year. Yeah, I think I'm Mar- Mario, 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 Mario. I think Mario Addison. Every time we played the Panthers, which it, it wasn't a it wasn't a ton, but we did see them in 15, we did see them in 19. Yep. And then we saw the Bills. Every time we played a team that Addison was on, he always worried me. Always. Yep. And there's a played ferocity. The Panthers last year, too. Yeah. There was a ferocity with the way that he rushes and the way that he gets after it that always troubled me because he, he never well, we should say he was never. I, I think he started at different points. But either way, when he came into the game, whether he was starting or coming in for pass rush purposes, mm-hmm. he just had such violent ferocity with his rushes, whether it was with a move that he made or with his hands. Everything about him was just, wow, I, you never, I never took my eyes off of him. And like you said, kind of the, the, the point of his career was like 2014, 2015, with the Panthers from 2014 on he had six sacks every year, except for the COVID year of Buffalo. And even last year, at the age of 33, he had, he had seven sacks mm-hmm. and he's probably gotten to a point now where he's more pass rush specialist than he is anything else, but that's okay. He's 260 pounds. He's got juice coming off the edge and 
the years of wisdom that he can share with guys. He's seen a few things. And oh, by the way, Troy University spitting out DeMarcus Ware, OCU Manura, mm-hmm. Mario Addison. I mean, it's pretty good. Edge, edge rushing you at Troy University. I mean, who, who really knew? But, you know, in his, his heyday with the, the Panthers, he was, I just hated seeing him because of how much he could muck things up. Now, as an overall group, you look at it and go, it's, it's kind of an eclectic group in some sense. Because, but that's sort of what you want with this type yeah, of defensive so. line, you know. I think I think you're right. As long think as about, guys are, because think about those Carolina and think about those Carolina lines. You bring him up, they had like four. It seemed like they had like four or five guys who were just pains in the asses, you know, and yeah. they're all different pains in the asses. Right, and I and that that's you know with John Grenard, kind of the guy that's up and coming. Then you got Addison, the seasoned vet who's seen pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, Rasheem Green is the guy to me that's just like Demarcus Walker was interesting last year. Green is interesting because I think Green plays both inside outside and can be very effective in both roles. And I I think watching Walker last year and how he did it, I think the Texans said, hey, we'd like that concept, but maybe we can get a little bit younger and a little bit more explosive at the same time with the same type of body in some sense. And and that's kind of what Rasheem Green is. So you kind of have your Demarcus Walker inside outside type with Green, who is younger and and more explosive. And then you've got the guys in the inside with Malik and uh, Ross and Roy Lopez. And I was watching the Titans game yesterday, man, they gave those guys fits from the Titans. Mm -hmm. They really gave them fits. Now it wasn't always perfect. There were a couple of times they were kind of up the field and, and out of a gap, but for the most part, Roy and and Malik were very tough to block in that game. And you throw them into the mix with those guys. And I'm not even mentioning guys like Jordan Jenkins and Derek Rivers, that both of those guys are different from the other guys. I mean, Jenkins is a little like Mario Addison. Derek Rivers is, I think, really never been able to do more than scratch the surface because of injuries over Mm -hmm. the years. But when he got an opportunity last year, you could start to see it. He was stacking good practice days on top of good game days and was doing some good things. And so I think all of that coming together, you look at it and go, okay, maybe there's not an Aaron Donald or maybe there's not a, um, I don't know, you're like a Tommy Harris who was a star on the line that Lovey had with the Chicago Bears for a long time. Maybe you don't have one of those guys, but the pieces of the puzzle fit together seemingly pretty well. Now you're not going to be able to keep everybody up front, but what we saw last year, I think is key. And that is, the number of guys that they rotate during a game, there'll be eight defensive linemen rotating in and out of that game throughout and keeping guys fresh. And, you know, we saw you know, the bills do that. The bills do that with their front. We've seen other teams that'll do that with their fronts, but there would be times, you know, Roy Malik would start Grenard on the outside with Jacob Martin. They'd play. And all of a sudden you see those four guys come off and four guys would come in. And so from that perspective, you have the depth of, what you want to be able to do up front and keep guys fresh. And so, yeah, you may not have a dominant, just, you know, all pro force up there, but if the pieces all work together, then I'm fine with that. I'd much rather have pieces, pieces that fit together as opposed to one guy trying to do everything and teams just focus all of it on stopping him, but they can block everybody else. So if the pieces come together, I think you have a decent opportunity for this line to start like, okay, yeah. 
we're starting to do some of the things that we like to do. When it was at its best, that's one of the things that Lovey Smith's defense did. They had a lot of guys coming at you yep. from the front. And one more add-on to what Casario was talking about yesterday. Think about Green is so young. He's 25. There are guys that were in this draft that are going to be rookies this year who are older than him. There's not many, but there's like a few. There's a handful of them. Wow, and he's yeah. already got four years of NFL experience. So yeah. he, he made that point yesterday. I, th- I thought that was a really interesting kind yeah. of you know, eye-opening point yeah. about that line. So that's a little bit about this defensive line. It's going to be fun to see. And then we'll, we'll, we'll see some stuff from uh, the secondary, obviously the rookies and so on and so forth. Steven Nelson's a, a nice signing. But let's go back to this Florida-Miami Sugar Bowl. I was at this game. It was in early 2001, so it was coming off the 2000 season, and the Canes had been snubbed. They should not have been playing in this game. They should have been playing in the national title game against unbeaten Oklahoma because they had beaten uh, Florida State, who was number one with Chris Winkie. Didn't he win the Heisman? Earlier in the season, they beat him 27-24. That was a week after they pasted pasted Rutgers 64-6. to <laughs> They also, on November 4th, they were third in the nation. Virginia Tech was second. They beat beat the Hokies down in the Orange Bowl by 20 points, 41-21. Yeah, Vic, Vic had an ankle injury. Yeah. He had crushed them the year before. It was like 43-14 to 14 the year before. He just dominated. But he had an ankle injury about a week or two prior. And so he sat out the game before Miami, and he was a sitting duck. In that yeah. game against Miami, they just destroyed him. So on this Miami team, you had guys who wound up in the league. Wide receiver Daryl Jones, drafted by the Giants in the seventh round in 02. Yeah, running back Najee Davenport. We know about him. He made oh, Andre Johnson is going to be oh, in the Hall of Fame yeah. someday. Santana Moss played for 14 seasons in the NFL. Ken yep. Dorsey didn't play in the NFL very long, if at all, but good college quarterback. James Jackson made it to the league with the Browns, the Packers, the Cardinals. Clinton Portis. We know all about Clinton Portis. Uh, that's a pretty good lineman. Bryant McKinney, Mount McKinney. He's one of the best First that's rounder, ever done yeah. it. He was a seventh overall pick. Uh, Reggie Wayne was on that team. Jeremy Shockey was on that team. On defense, you had Mike Rumpf, Ed Reed. I mean, Dan Morgan. Chris can't. I, you had some Damian Lewis. I, just like goes on and on and on and on. That was and a Damian Lewis was a first rounder that Lovey Smith uh, was instrumental in, in drafting mm-hmm. with the Rams, I believe, in 2001, I think. Yeah, he had a cup of coffee with the Texans late in his mm-hmm. career in yep. uh, 2010, 2011-ish. And then the, the Gators, they lost that game. They weren't as good, obviously, but they came into it ranked seventh. Um, they got hicc- had hiccups against Mississippi State. They lost to Florida State pretty badly. Oh, yeah. But they they beat some top top 20 teams. They had some pretty good players, too. Rex Grossman was their quarterback. He wound up playing in uh, a Super Bowl. Jesse Palmer, a bachelor, not bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. Who else? Jabbar Gaffney, Rache Caldwell, Gerard Warren, Lito Shepard. I mean, they they had players all over the place, too. That's a pretty darn good matchup. But one of the things about this game, too, was I had been in Florida at this particular time. And so my first year in Florida was 1994. And so our first game of the year 
I was coaching in middle school, but I was also helping with the varsity too. And our first game of the year was against a school called Union County. And so the guys all told me, okay, Union County's pretty good, man. Just, just so you know. And I was like, oh, okay. And they were telling me about this quarterback and running back. And they had the state four by 100 team as receivers and DBs. I'm like, oh boy. We get to the game and I look down there and I'm like, hey, who's 60? And I look down at this massive, massive human being. And so none of our guys know who they are. And I look at the Union County coach, like, coach, who's that? And he goes, oh, big money? Oh, yeah. Big money, Gerard Warren, number three overall pick, I think, in the 2001 draft. Dude was an animal. I mean, an absolute animal on the field, no doubt about it. All right, we'll go around the NFL and finish up next, right here on a Wednesday edition of Texas All Access. Welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris here, the voice of the Houston Texans there, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, good evening. Johnny, 24 hours from now. Schedule time, baby. How about that? Are you pumped? I'm totally pumped. I love it when the schedule comes out. Are you kidding? I mean, there's so many things. I heard the guys in 610 talking about it today. Uh There's so many things that play into it, not just the whole football part and when you play who, but travel arrangements, how the fans look at it, the traveling Texans. There's so many different elements that come into play when the schedule is revealed. I can't wait for 24 hours from now. It's really a little bit more than 24 hours from now because it's 7 p.m. Thursday night when it comes out. Now, we don't have to choose. Right fortunate for us but if you're a traveling texans fan and you got to pick one i gotta pick one to go to where are you going now my hunt here i'll let you think about that in, in when i say this if you're a traveling texans fan you probably have done denver you probably have done miami probably have done one or two maybe all three of them in the division maybe chicago back in 2012 depending on how far right. that, how far you go back maybe you want to Maybe you want to redo one of those? This is the first time to Las Vegas? I think that's got to be the one, right? It's got to be Vegas. I think Chicago is highly attractive because, as you said, it's been since 2012, and that feels like a 1,000 years Ugh, ago. Yeah. And it is. I mean, look, 2012? Yeah, 10 is years that what ago. we're talking about? 10 years 10 ago. 10 years ago? A decade. My goodness. And the reason why you're playing them is because it's the every two-year thing with yes. the unbalanced 17-game right. schedule. Because I'm thinking 10 years ago, it shouldn't be that way. It should be every eight years of the NFC. But now you have this oddity of the 17th right. game. Last year, you had right. Carolina Here. as that extra NFC tilt. Now you have Chicago on the road. And, yeah, it was so long ago. And as you mentioned, the COVID year, nobody went to that one. It was an empty stadium, empty Soldier Field. Oh. So I think... Vegas is number one. Chicago is number two. But, you know, I love going to all these places, so it's not very difficult for me to pick a bunch of favorites. I have said from the beginning, I love our three uh, intra-division trips, Indy, uh, Nashville, and Jacksonville. I love those three trips. Those are three of my favorite trips. I'm glad we get those three every single year. Of course, Jacksonville, we know it. You know, really well. I mean, obviously, I lived there for seven years. And then Indianapolis, everything is right there. You just walk to everything. And then Nashville has, you know, become one of the, the hottest cities in America. There's always stuff going on. And then, of course, Saturday night on Broadway, if you're playing on a Sunday, maybe it's a Thursday. I don't know how Wednesday night is in Nashville. But Saturday night in Nashville is pretty happening. Man, it's pretty cool to kind of just be walking through all that uh, for yeah. the game uh, the next day or the next night or whatever it might end up being. So I. I, the Las Vegas one, 
would be the one I think just because it's different. I want to see that new stadium, um, Allegiant Stadium. So I think that would be the one if I was a traveling Texan, I would do that. All right. The Texans have 14 opponents this year. Now, I don't know if we'll get through all 14. But we're going to take a Jekyll and Hyde approach to each of these squads. Reason for optimism, reason to be really worried about this particular team. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. And we can kind of tag team this and look at it. I'll give you the opportunity where you want to step in. But we're going to just randomly start. And I thought about 2014, we played the – Washington, well, the team formerly known as the Washington Redskins, now the Washington Commanders week one. So we're going to start with the Washington Commanders. Reasons for optimism against the Commanders, reasons to be worried about the Washington Commanders. Okay, let's go. Mark, go. What's your first one? Uh, you got to stop the run. Antonio Gibson's a pretty good running back. Right. And there weren't too many guys who ran for over 1,000 last Ooh. year in a 17-game schedule, which is very strange, and I don't think that gets talked about enough. What is it, seven or eight players? Yeah, I'll pull it, it up here. Not many guys ran for but over 1,000 last year. Weird. But he was one of them. He was. And Carson Wentz, as much as people like to make fun of left-handed goal line interceptions, <laughs> pick sixes, uh, as much as people like to do that, make fun of that, he did have a stretch where he was really lethal last yeah. year, and he played well against the Texans in two games. So I think that Wentz has to be in the – Hey, I'm at least on uh, the plus side of the concerned race ratio, or if you want to call that a negative, go ahead. Terry McLaurin's a good receiver. You've got uh, guys who can get after the quarterback, Chase Young, Montez Sweat. Yep. You know, you've got some interesting elements here, and they were kind of cooking along for a little bit yeah. in that division, relative to that division last year, and now they have Wentz. If they're healthy, this could be a bit of a problem. I'll go the flip side. It is Carson Wentz. You never know what Carson Wentz is bringing to the party. And that, I think, can be both scary and great at the same time. They lost uh, Brandon Sheriff on the offensive line. I think their offensive line is, yeah, they got Trey Turner, but he's a little long in the tooth, not buying their two tackles. I think the pass rush with the guys that they have signed, I think they've really bolstered the pass rush. I think the pass rush can get after Carson Wentz. That's when mistakes happen. And then the secondary, I think you can get after the secondary a little bit. I don't think the secondary for Washington is is an excellent one. And playing at home, well, you never know if they're gonna, you know, guy another guy banged up in the secondary that's already not great as it is. Maybe you can get after them a little bit. I think that's where that's where they've got some holes. The addition of Jahan Dotson is gonna be an interesting one because if McLaren, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel are all healthy. Oh, oh boy, that gets really, really interesting. All right, let's do Jekyll and Hyde. Let's stay in NFC East. Okay. Let's do the G-Men, the New York Giants. Let's do the Giants. I'll, I'll go first, and I'll give you reasons for optimism against the Giants. And similar to the commanders with Carson Wentz, the Giants still have Daniel Jones as the quarterback. Now, don't know when we're going to see the Giants, but if Daniel Jones is still the quarterback, I'm not fearing the Giants at all. Offensive line, I think, is better, but I still don't think it's a great offensive line. I still think inside they've got some, uh, still got some holes, even though they've added Mark Glowinski. Evan Neal is a rookie on the right side, so I think you can attack them from that perspective. And defensively, I don't know that I see any playmakers defensively. You know, Thibodeau's added, but okay. Linebackers are just mm, average. And the secondary, they just got be- they got rid of their best secondary guy, James Bradbury. Mm-hmm. And I think their corners can get torched. 
So Davis could have himself a nice little ball game if he can protect against the defensive line that's big and thick and bulky but not real explosive outside of Thibodeau. I think Davis can get after them a little bit uh, with what they have in the secondary. I think that secondary can get picked apart, and that will be a good thing. Take the other side. Pessimism, here you go. New head coach, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So you've got a system here where, look, they don't run the ball in Buffalo the way you think they might. Right. We all know that. They have right. Josh Allen. He runs the ball really well. Right. And Daniel Jones can still get some yardage on the ground. That he can do. But let's go to Saquon Barkley here because he's still on the team. Yeah. They have not gotten rid of him yet. Right. And right now it appears that he'll be healthy at some point. So let's say it's against you yeah. and he's completely healthy. And Evan Neal turns out to be everything they want him to be at right tackle, and the whole line just feels a whole lot better about themselves, Mark Lewinsky included. And here you go. They're running the ball well. Play action is working out. They still have Kenny Galladay and some other guys who could catch the ball downfield. So they could be a little bit better on offense, at least hold on to the ball. By the way, a quarterback. I mean, really? They have nowhere else to go. They are Richard Gere in an officer and a gentleman to Louis Gossett Jr. I've got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Now, Tyrod Taylor, we like Tyrod a lot, but they have nothing else for the future no. if Jones should falter. There's no insurance policy there at all yeah. for the future. And on defense, I think you mentioned some things. What if Thibodeau turns out to be an utter animal pass rushing for them? And the Texans struggle that day. So there are your reasons for pessimism, if you will, but I'm more leaning toward you on this one. Yeah. yeah, and you've heard me say this before. People in their mock drafts for 2023 saying, oh, Texans are going to have the number one pick. Right. Look at the New York Giants. Ooh. Are we going to be worse than the New York Giants? I really hope not, but the Texans get to play them, and it should be very interesting. All right, let's go to the team we talked about a little while ago. Saw them in 2020, but there was no one in the stands, so it's like a tree falling in the woods. If nobody was there, did it really happen? Did you really hear it? There will be fans at some point. Hopefully it's early in the season when the Texans face the Bears, but my hunch tells me it's going to be in December and really, really cold. That said, the Chicago Bears. Reasons for pessimism against the Chicago Bears. All right, Justin Fields is in year two. He starts playing incredibly well. This is everything they've wanted him to be. David Montgomery, I still have nightmares about what happened in 2020. So he can run the ball well. Uh, where else do you want to go here? Let's look at their receivers. Uh, Darnell Mooney is a pretty good receiver. Yeah, he, he is. He is pretty good because remember, he's be the number one. We talked about him last preseason after the Texans made a certain trade. Yeah. Equinemius St. Brown is on the squad. Byron Pringle, okay, he's out of Kansas City now. He's with Chicago, but Fields is playing very well and he's making plays with his feet and he's just driving you utterly nuts. Our old buddy Ryan Griffin is on the team. Yeah, How about that? Right. The and the Bears always have this tradition of being pretty good on defense. We'll see if that can happen this year with Robert Quinn and company coming off the edge or at least trying to get into the backfield in company. That's what I meant about the and company part. So we'll see. We'll see about that. Those are your reasons to be concerned. New head coach with a defensive background, Matt Eberflus. So how does he react as a new head coach? I mean, that nobody has any idea with that. This is a defense – that's lost a number of players over the years. Akeem Hicks is not back. Uh, he was a killer. Khalil Mack got traded. They don't have the level of talent that they had a few years ago. They do have Robert Quinn. They do have Roquan Smith, as you said. But they might be playing and starting two rookies in the secondary. That's a great opportunity for this offense to go after them. 
outside of Darnell Mooney, I don't know that there's anybody on that Bears receiving core that I go, yeah. And the offensive line could be absolutely putrid. Fields could take a step, but mm-hmm. after what you saw last year, man, it was in fits and starts. And the offensive line, if the offensive line is not great, how do we know that Justin Fields is going to do anything? Montgomery does scare me. But outside of Montgomery on that offense and Mooney down the field, I don't know that Fields really truly scares me a ton. So, yeah, we're playing him at Chicago, and I hope that weather is not a factor later in the year. But I think it's a great opportunity to go against a team that, you know, talent-wise, you look at it and think, I don't know if the talent's that great. And it's every- good talent, but I don't know if it's great. And every time I mention Byron Pringle's name, I just think of potato chips. It's just one of those <laughs> things where you want to binge on those things in the canister. Yeah. And it's impossible to just have a couple of those. You just And you reach your finger down. You're just trying to dig them out clean. And when they break, when you're trying yeah. to dig them out, it's very disappointing, very unsatisfying. Well, you know, Pringle's original intention was to uh, make tennis balls. But then on the day of delivery, they delivered potatoes. And they said, yep, give them potatoes. Listen, I'm gullible, so it's don't. It's a Mitch Hedberg joke. So don't. Uh, it's a <laughs> don't Mitch Hedberg do that joke. To that me. I, it's a Mitch Hedberg I'm liable to buy it. <laughs> hey, can I do a team? Can I do a team? Okay, all right. All right, here we go. All right, Here's one? a road opponent for you the Miami Dolphins. We saw Ooh. them Ooh. last year, and they've had some changes. And look, we thought a certain big trade might be going down with this team. Never happened. But. Which side the, you taking? In the past. I'll take, um, I'll take concern. Okay. Concern. Take concern. All right, here all right. is Tua ready to prove to the world that he is all that and more, that everything you thought and hoped about him coming out of college is true. It just took him three years to figure it all out, and now here he is to wreak havoc on the league because he's got weapons everywhere, except for running back, which I'm not. All right, so Mostert joined the team from San Francisco. Chase Edmonds as well. Sony Michelle is there. Chase Edmonds is the big guy yeah. for them. Actually, they could turn out to be pretty decent here. Yeah. And that Miles Gaskin, they've got a few guys who could turn out. You know, know, if 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 could turn out to be pretty decent. Does this O line put it together? Oh, Armstead comes over from the Saints. Interesting. So, of course, the big one is Tyreek Hill. Uh, They have Jalen Waddell, who's a great possession receiver and more for them. Best friend of Tua already with all those catches last year. What did he have, over 100? 104, I think. And now you bring in Hill. And the mere threat of Hill going downfield tends to open up things mid-range for guys like Mike Gesicki. This could be a real problem on your defense to be facing Miami, especially at their place, with a Dolphin faithful. Or, all right, they're not that faithful. But it could be a hot day. Well, you should be able to be ready for that one. I don't know when they're going to play them, obviously. And on defense, look, I'm just going to say this. You turned the ball over a ton against them last year. I know it was Tyrod Taylor and not Davis Mills, but they can get after it at times, and they got a lot of young players who are a year older. Armstead makes them – I'll go the other way. Armstead makes them a little bit better on the offensive line. they got Connor Williams, the left guard, that they added – I still don't buy that offensive line. I still think that offensive line is is ripe to be had. And with Liam Eichenberg over on the right side, with Tua being a left-hander, he's protecting his blind side. And I think Eichenberg really struggled last year uh, at times. And in this game last year, Jordan Jenkins got after it. And Tua will hold the football. He'll hold it, like, maybe not as long as Jacoby Brissett, but he'll hold it. And the other thing is, you have Tyreek Hill, you have Jalen Waddle. Do you have a vertical passing game if the guy can't throw the ball down the field vertically like did you Did you see the to? social media I gif? I did. The Dolphins social media team 
you know, that was a troll job. It felt like they were trolling that their own quarterback a, yes, exactly. because Hill and the video is very choppy. I had to look at it twice to be sure. Oh yeah, he definitely held up for that ball. He did. He I held mean, up for look, it. Look, Tua's throwing on air. I get it that you're chopping at the bit to get a gif out of Tua throwing deep to Tyreek Hill. It's almost like, hey, coach, can you have them do that one more yeah, time exactly. and have them run under it? Because this one is going to look awful to our fans, and it did. I would love to see Miami actually early in the year because one of the things I think that is really difficult for a quarterback is to understand when you have a guy like Tyreek, you got to throw it now. Like, throw it now. Throw it now. You just took three steps. You can't do three steps and a crow hop yeah. and throw. It's got to be three steps and boom, it's gone. And throw it, and you're like, man, I know I overthrew him. No, you didn't. You didn't. I think that's the hardest thing to understand. And it, it took a little while for Deshaun here, I think, with Will. It took him a right. few weeks. Throw and then it, it early. Throw it early. Throw that sucker early. When you know he's going to run and go get it, that's the thing I think Tua is going to struggle with. Defensively, I think it's a good unit. They're good players. I think they have an elite safety in Javon Holland. I think he's fantastic. Xavier Hort and Byron Jones. I mean, Jones might not even be there uh, at some point, depending on when the Texans play them. So I see decent talent defensively, but if they can, if the Texans can pick up the blitz a lot better than they did last year, they'll be able to put points on the board on these guys. I don't think this defense just knocks you over. I think there were some guys that took strides last year. I think Ogbo was really good. I think Christian Wilkins um, is excellent on the inside, but there's really not a ton of edge rush that you get really concerned about. So I don't see a defense that can just take over the game unless you allow them to, like they did last year with all the blitzing they did. Mm-hmm. Remember they just went sent six and seven guys and played zero coverage, and we just missed opportunities. I mean, missed every opportunity in that game last year. So I think you can get these opportunities back. I like the way against, you think. Against Miami. Okay. Uh, I picked a team this time, and it's, oh, let's go in division. Do it. The Jacksonville Jaguars. And I will shoot the holes in the Jaguars. You will build them up because I know you love doing that. I love building up the Jaguars. This is all I'm about. No, not really. Watch all right. how easy this is. Are you ready? All right, so no. Travis Etienne. You're going first. You want okay. me to go first? Go all first. Right. So Travis Etienne is in year two, but really year one because he didn't play last right. year because he was hurt. Yeah. And he's going to turn out to have that chemistry with Trevor Lawrence. That Clemson magic is going to finally mm. show up in North Florida that they've been waiting for. Lawrence plays better. ETN can run the ball. Oh, and oh, yes, they still have James Robinson, who's really, really good, right? Or right. at least pretty good. Right. And he and ETN could form a formidable duo in the backfield. Offensive line, eh, all right, I don't know if that's going to be that good. They got a rookie <laughs> at center who should start for them, but we'll see. And uh, Luke Fortner, didn't you good say player. that he was going he's to be the player. Linder Placement. Yeah. And he is he is Linder, basically. Okay. Cam Robinson still at left tackle. Let's see how these receivers do. Look, they added talent here. Christian Kirk, they signed him to a deal that a lot of people thought was too big. But guess what? They have Christian Kirk, and he's a yep. pretty good receiver. And they still have Marvin Jones and Zay Jones, who comes over from the Raiders. He made plays in Vegas, so he could be a little dangerous. Evan Ingram, the tight end, they got him from the Giants. Let's see. Dan Arnold, I know they made the trade for him last year. Maybe he turns out to do more for them than he did last year, but they weren't very good last year for a variety of reasons. And on defense, Johnny, look, they weren't good last year, but they added a lot of free agent firepower as well. I'm more concerned about their ability. It's kind of like my upside conversation with the Giants. Yep. 
but to an even larger degree. You can run the ball well. you got a much more talented quarterback than Daniel Jones, and the nightmare starts with Trevor Lawrence. That is the concern with the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, the flip side, it's the Jaguars. <laughs> I like that. Ja- like it's it. Jaguars. Jaguars. What are you doing? I mean, they still have guys like Andrew Wingard at safety. Rayshon Jenkins wasn't that good last year at safety. I, I do think their corners are going to get better. They did that. Darius Williams, who's from the Jacksonville area, went to Bartram Trail High School. I think they've gotten better up front, but I'm not totally overwhelmed with what they have. And like you said, they're going to start a rookie at center, and Trevor's got to prove that he's that guy. Now he's got he does have I think more help, but say Jones was good last year with Las Vegas, but you know now he's going to be asked to do a lot more. He's going to ask to more mm-hmm. likely be the number two. Marvin Jones good. I think the receivers are decent, but not great. But it's the Jaguars. They added some youth on defense, so still going to be a young defense, and we'll see whether they can gel by the time the Texans end up playing them. And it's the Jaguars. The one thing I really don't like, though, well, it's one of the things, Doug Peterson. I didn't like yeah. that hire at all for the yeah, Texans. I, agree. I wanted to see them hire another first-year kind of guy and have him learn the ropes of yeah. being an NFL head coach. Even if he was a good coordinator, it's always different. I wanted to see that. Not an experienced head coach who is recently in the Super Bowl and winning it, by the way, right. with a backup quarterback. So he knows how to sort of tool around with some things. I didn't like seeing that hire at all for the Houston Texans cause. Okay. Let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs, and Let's I will do it. start, and I will give you reasons why the Chiefs are not all that in a bag of chips. All right, you start. So you will have more of the uh, be concerned about the Chiefs side. You're just ripping everybody apart today. I, love I know. It. It's ridiculous. And I have to build everybody up, but I, I'm an optimist, oh, yeah, so I can are. play that for the Kansas City Chiefs they if don't I have, have to. I can make this one easy. They don't have Tyreek Hill. That's good. They don't have Tyreek Hill. And – I know that a lot of Chiefs fans are like, look, man, look, we got Cole, we got Juju coming in, we added Sky Moore, Josh Gordon, who knows Ooh. what he's got, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. You don't have Tyreek Hill, and you never respected how dangerous he was against every team you faced. Every single team was scared to death of that guy. Every single one, and you don't have him. Now, you have Mahomes and Kelsey, okay, I, there's not much you can say there. But they rebuilt the offensive line. That's good. I think these receivers are all average, except for Sky Moore. Sky Moore is going to be pretty good. But none of them are Tyreek Hill. And unless George Karloftis takes his game to a high level as a rookie, I don't think they have much outside pass rush. I think their linebackers are still young. And the secondary, I think you can get after that secondary. I think especially Fenton, I think you can get after him. We'll see when McDuffie can get in the lineup. But I still think you can attack that defense this year. Maybe, maybe not 2023, but I think in 2022, I think you can still get after that defense because they don't have really bona fide pass. Whoa, Frank Clark. No, Frank Clark's he's, – he's used. He's done. Frank Clark's done. I said it. Frank Clark's done. Chris he's Jones? Been done for the last couple of years. Now, Jones on the inside, yes. That's tough. But you can double. You can uh, – you can do some different things with your, your – uh, you can slide your protection to him. You can do some different things to slow him down. The edge guys are going against presumably Laramie and Titus. I think those guys can handle their stuff one-on-one, so you can use your backs inside too to help on Chris Jones because nobody else really scares you all that much. But there's no Tyreek Hill. There's no Tyreek Hill. 
And if for some reason Patrick Mahomes gets mono going into that game, I'm fine with that too. Uh, no, I'm not because Chad Henney, Texans killer oh, Chad Henney, is ready it. to take the helm oh. for the Kansas City Chiefs. He hasn't always killed the Texans, but he's had some big games. The Jaguar close. overtime game in 2012. I know the Jags lost that game, but he threw for a gazillion yards. Not as many as Matt Schaub, who threw for 527, tied for second all-time in the NFL. With Warren Moon, interestingly enough, behind Norm Van Brocklin, yeah. the all-time leader, who I love because he's Dutch. Okay. The plus side for the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes is, yes, these receivers, they, the names don't jump off the page like Tyreek Hill and strike fear. But as a collective group, Mahomes has his act together. He's a salty veteran now. He knows he needs to spread the ball around. He still has Kelsey, who has enough left in the tag to do some damage. I have a hard time building up Clyde Edwards-Alaire right now based on what's happened so far, yeah. health-wise especially, but you never know. I mean, this could – you could see this working well enough for the Chiefs where they could actually win the division. And I know that sounds strange. What are you saying, Vandermeer, they could actually win the division? Well, the division competition with the Broncos, with the Chargers getting better and better, with the Raiders doing what they did last year, this is no easy pickings anymore. Mahomes has a lot on his back right now. I mean, it's always been his team. Yeah. But he was in a great band with unbelievable musicians. Now the musicians aren't as good, and he's got to shred that lead guitar, right. sing vocals. He's got to do it all right now, and he's got to do it at a high level. He's capable of it. Let's see if he can pull it off. Okay, as a side note, there was some Kansas City TV station that had – put out a tweet yesterday saying the opener was Kansas City at Houston. Well, I don't know. but Are you this, buying that? Uh, you look, I'm I don't, not. I don't buy any schedule leaks, Johnny. I, I, I wrote about it in the Daily Brew today. I've seen so many very convincing posts yes. about, oh, this is the Texans schedule, and oh, these games are going to happen for sure every year. And then it's like, no, totally no, no, no. Totally so wrong. I won't believe it till I'll see it. It could be true. I won't believe it till I see it. Well, Mark and I will be on live tomorrow night with the general from 6 to 7. We also are going to do a live streaming show tomorrow at about 4.45 because if I've heard correctly, we're going to find out our home opener at 5 o'clock. So we're going to be live at HoustonTexas.com oh. to announce that. I'm glad I know about yes. this. I, well, I thought you were the one that told my boss about that told me <laughs> so anyways so we're gonna be doing a live stream at 445 for about 15 20 minutes so you definitely want to tune in for that and then after our live radio with the general on sports radio 610 we will go live discussing the full 2022 schedule at houstontexas.com so you definitely want to tune in mark appreciate it nice job with jekyll and hyde Thank i you, Johnny. like that segment coming up next we're gonna go in the lab as you doherty and i talk about this defensive pass rush and I mentioned the 2019 LSU Alabama game last week. There was one other game that Drew wanted to bring up that had just as many, and the guy to my left actually called that game. That's next right here on Texas All Access.